0: I trust that authentic sonship, the groups, are really prodding you. And if you feel uncomfortable, praise God. If you feel awkward, praise God. If you're out of a line and you're corrected, praise God. That's what the environment's there for. No one's being judged. But as each one opens the mouth, it's good. Because it reveals, it helps us to hear what's inside of you. And then we can, it's an opportunity to bring in, bring people into alignment, clarify, add weight to. We had a great night in our group. But then again, it would be because we've got the most mature in our group. Sorry, just the way it is. (laughs) Eh? (laughs) Hey, Yeah. The star... The baby was born in Openshaw. The star came. The wise men came to They never left. They stayed. And we've got to be in our group. Even the women. <laughs> okay. They're the wise men, the women. Everything to do with the kingdom must have a beginning. And everything to do with the kingdom must have an end. God is coming Jesus Christ is returning, but, it's just, but there's a lot to take place before, during, and after. There's a lot of things. I personally don't think we're going to be around to see the return of Christ. Oh, that's just my personal interpretation. I think there's a lot more that's going to happen yet. But you know what? I don't care. I don't care. Because when he returns, I'm coming back with him anyway. Got this deal. I'm coming back with him. Might be wearing a white white dress, white nightie. That could be a bit freaky for those who were still on the earth. But coming back in a white garment. Amen. So it could be a bit freaky. I hope it's not drafty up there. From the days of John the Baptist until now. Everyone say now. now. There's a now. There's an until and there's a now. John the Baptist. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and violent men take it by force. Well, I hope when it says violent, it's not talking al-Qaeda, ISIS, Hezbollah, Hezbollah, whatever you call them. Violence. He's not talking about that kind of violence. He's talking of a different kind of violence. He's talking of the better word to use there is force, determination, courage, faith, boldness. Violence is it conjures up the wrong kind of imagery. But that's what one of the uh, translations use it as violence, and violent men take it by force. Now you see, if the extremists got hold of that, they say, see? Your kingdom does that. Why can't our kingdom does, do this? This will give them legalism, to uh, legal rights to kill people for not coming into the kingdom. But that's not what this scripture means. There is a force, there is a determination. In spirit and in truth, we put down our weapons and we take up the weapons of righteousness. So we forgive, we love, we accept, we tolerate to some degree. The kingdom rules are different from the fundamentalist rules. But nevertheless, there's a kingdom here that has to, that started and must continue. Yes, these guys believe, these fundamentalists believe that by their actions, they themselves will be promoted. Only one day, when it's all finally said and done and finished, they realize that their actions brought about, their eternal consequence. Separation from God. There are no virgins up there. Is that what you died for, just for a virgin? You can get one of them down on the earth. Well, maybe not so, not so easy in today's yeah. society. But maybe that's why you have got to die. But surely it's got to be more than flesh and blood. We're not inheriting flesh and blood. Amen? So the Bible talks about the Apostle Paul... And before he was Paul, he was called Saul. Saul of Tarsus. Now, Saul was a religious persecutor. He was a murderer who was set in advancing Judaism. Yes? And he was advancing, the Bible says, beyond his contemporaries. Beyond his own countrymen. Being extremely is the word... Galatians used, extremely zealous. And for his ancestral traditions, see the power of religion. That's religion. Judaism is a religion. Whether Islam, Judaism, whether it's dark age Christianity, religion is still the same animal. It has many faces, it has many different badges, but it's the same animal. And he was, this guy was zealous. He was pushing beyond his contemporaries. He was going somewhere. He was determined that I am going to root out all these infidels. This is Paul. This is the apostle that we read of. This This was his journey prior to him being saved. He was a murderer. Wicked, deceitful, plotting, scheming murderer. He was the one stood there when Stephen was stoned, getting their approval from the crowd. He saw his own brother. Well, he wasn't his brother at the time, but he saw his own future family being persecuted. He was persecuting the family of God, the family that he was going to be part of later on. Religion is an evil force. And even if it doesn't bring violence, it still brings death of a different kind. Because it locks and contains people in. And all the way through your Bible, you will see this battle with religion. It is a demonic mountain. That it's in, that what it's, it's almost like someone's got, you go into the, some of these Islamic nations; it's like someone's got uh, Islam and they've grounded it down like a powder, and they've fine powder and they've blown it into the wind, and the wind has taken it right across those Islamic nations or whatever the, whatever religion it is. Let's not—it's not fair just to use Islam. Let's use any any religion, and it settles on the people, settles on the culture, settles on the everyday life. So everything now is governed by a religion. So you can smell it in the air, you can touch it, you can taste it. It governs the people's thinking, it governs the people's behaviour. That is something called a force, that's a power. Yes? That's not what Jesus Christ died for. In fact, it was religion that put Jesus Christ on the cross. Now you see, the utter delusion in society is people cannot see When you say you're a Christian, they'll say, what religion are you? They'll they'll try and define you by your religion. They'll ask you, and you say, I'm not religious, I'm a Christian. What? What? They can't compute that, they don't understand that. And it's difficult sometimes to to try and explain to somebody, I am not a religious person. But they'll say, you go to church, don't you? So now, now they'll define you by you going to a building. Yeah? So we can never be defined by going to a building. If someone says, if that's what quantifies me being, being a Christian, I'm going to stay at home and have church at home. I need someone to see the life of Christ in me. I need to hear, people need to hear what I'm, what, what Christ is saying through me. They need to see Christ in me. Because he's the hope of their glory. And the hope of this world. So religion is a powerful force. And I wish you had time, which you don't have. I'll show you in the next coming weeks how religion sits on the waters. I know it's a Babylonian, It's behind a Babylonian spirit. You'll see it in Revelation how vicious religion is. She's ugly. On her best day, she has a makeover. She's still ugly. There's no way you can make religion look nice because it's a spirit. She's ugly. She comes from the pit of hell. But nevertheless, she's on the earth. If there was no religion, there would be no opposition. Think of it: if there was no religion, there'd be no opposition to our to our Christianity. Every party that runs for election has an opposition. Well, we've got one as well in the kingdom. In fact, we've got a couple of opponents. We've got religion. We've got philosophy. We've got opinions. We've got flesh and blood. We've got a few candidates running for office. And most of them are sat within you. You brought them to church. You brought your friends to church. Everyone's got an opinion. They're like noses. Everyone's got one. So John realised when John was born, John was born in, on, the, on the backdrop of Judaism. So he starts something knowing that there is a force called Judaism. There's a religious animal which is going to tear him, it's going to demand a piece of him. Just like it will oppose you at every step. It's amazing when you talk to so-called believers how much religion is inside of them? Well, I go to church just like you. Really? Okay. So that's, that's where you've got to push them away from church and say, it's not about church. It's about Christ, about re- relationship, about life. Well, I just go to you. I go to church just like you. Okay. All right. Lord, open their eyes. So from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and violent men take it by force. John was radical. John was radical, just like Paul was radical. But the difference is the spirit that was in John was different than the spirit that was in Saul who became Paul. Just as radical, just as determined, just as courageous, just as bold, but a completely different spirit. Yes? Just a different spirit. Not just a different spirit, a different spirit. It makes all the difference which spirit is behind which message. Do you know that? God is looking for starters and God is looking for continuers of a different spirit. Those who carry the kingdom emphasis... His force, his might, his power, his determination, his courage, his power, faith. The kingdom is carried by spirit, friends, not by flesh and blood. It's carried by spirit. The worshippers have to worship him in spirit. The worshippers have to serve him in spirit. The worshippers have to proclaim him in spirit. Everything about our kingdom is done by the spirit. Everything that's not of this kingdom is done by flesh and blood through another spirit working through them. Hello? We're going to see this this morning. So in Luke chapter 9 verse 59, we've got a fair bit of scripture to get through this morning. That's okay. I'm glad you brought your Bible. Luke 9 verse 59, he said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom. Still another said, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no, 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 no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. Twice he mentions the kingdom. The first one is, but you go and proclaim the kingdom. Second time is he's talking about service in the kingdom. So proclamation is part of the service of the kingdom. So if you want to be a Christian, you've got to learn to proclaim the kingdom. That's your service. That's your service to go and proclaim the kingdom. This is what got John in, in, in trouble. This is what got Paul in hot water. When Paul went to the Gentiles and he proclaimed the kingdom. When Paul went to the when he went to the Jews. He was told to go to the Gentiles and he went to the Jews. And where did he get all his problems when he went to the Jews? Peter was told to go to the Gentiles and he went to the, sorry, to the Jews and he went to the Jews. Do what you're told. Go where you're sent. Say what you're told to say. That's your service. Open your mouth. Let people know there's a God inside of you. Let, Christ, let people know what Christ is doing without being sycophantic and about being stupid. Yeah? But the kingdom's got to start. The kingdom is, must be emphasized by spirit, not by flesh and blood. It's true. So you go and proclaim. It must be a difficult thing to go and tell someone who's just lost uh, the parent or a friend, let the dead bury themselves, but you go and proclaim the kingdom. That's a very difficult thing to do. And Jesus is saying, look, the dead, his time's gone. But your sentiment, I understand your sentiment. It's Jesus hard. It sounds harsh, but he's, in reality, he knows, because he's the Alpha and Omega, he knows their time's gone. He knows that this, this sentiment that you, you want to do, closed, uh, you want to bring your emotions to an end. But Jesus is saying, at the end, that won't produce anything. That's something we do. But in the great big picture, he's saying to this person, this is not going to help you. Go and proclaim the kingdom. That's hard. But Jesus knew what that man needed. So he says to him, look, son, this is going to bog you down. This, you go to the grave here and, cl- and, and conclude this. This could take years for your life. And only Jesus knows that. And when we've got to trust what Jesus said. He said it with wisdom and complete purity. He knows what that man needed. And he's saying, look, I know, son, this could take two years of your life grieving. Get up, go and proclaim the kingdom. It's difficult, but that's what he said to him. Now, don't shoot me. I didn't say it. Okay? I didn't say you can't do that, shouldn't do that. I'm saying that's what Jesus said to him. And I'm not going to get into explain why he said that. That's Just take it. That's what he said. For Some people you just got to get up and move on to something else because that will contain your life. God knows. God knows. But you think, no, Lord, let me put a stone here. Let me... No, this is going to kill you. You'll never leave this place. I know your heart will always be there because the heart attaches things. I'm explaining, no, I'm not. Leave it, let it go, and move on. Okay? So he said to another man, Follow me. But the man replied, First, let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury the dead. But you, you son, go and proclaim the kingdom. Because the kingdom's the issue. And then he talks about the service in the kingdom. So the kingdom requires force, determination, it, det- it, de- it requires understanding. Amen? The first thing I want to say to you this morning is that what. The first thing about this kingdom is irreversible. The kingdom is irreversible. What God started, he cannot change. He can't send us all back to the dust. He can't destroy the world just like that. Why? Because he set things in motion now. God can't just, all of a sudden, one day, get, uh, what do you call it? an emotional surge, I'm brassed off with this lot. He's not on hormone tablets. He's not got any kind of crazy monthly cycle going on that's going to freak him out. No. Girls, I'm not being derogative when I say that. I'm fine as I'm getting older. I'm getting hot flushes. And it's nothing to do with Carol. Seriously, I'm getting hot flushes. Amazing. I'm thinking hormones almost, I've still got some. There's a difference between hormones and all full of moans. There's a difference. Come on, stay with me now, stay with me, the kingdom, the kingdom. Stay in the spirit, that's right. You want to be all full of moans, that's fine, it's up to you. But he is not phased by an emotional switch that's suddenly going to throw him off just like you and I can. We're willing to throw all the toys out the pram. Do you know that phrase? Spit the dodie out. No, no. God's not going to do that because that's not God's character. That's not his nature. You know, when when Ella comes in, she's in our house. The first thing she does is every toy has got to take up a space on the floor. Yeah? All the toys get scattered to the four corners of the house. And then you have to go and play pick up. But that's part of being a granddad. God isn't about to get the toys and throw them all over the place. Aren't you glad? So this kingdom that he started is irreversible. He set things in motion now. Laws are in motion. Science is working. Physics is working. And any other, other known quantum dilemmas that's going on out there? He set the whole thing in place. It's irreversible. And Numbers 23 verse 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? No. Does he he promise and not fulfill? No. I have received a command to bless. He has blessed and cannot change it. What God has blessed, he said that his own creation was good. He blessed it. Sixth day he rested. He didn't stay in bed. Sixth, on the sixth day does not mean he stayed in bed. Seventh day, I should say. It means he rested. He was setting a principle for us. There's going to be a time to work and a time to worship. He's setting the principle right there. So what do we do? Ignore it and work at a 24-hour society, seven days a week. But he set some time aside. We need to set some time aside. Now, it's all right if someone's saying, well, you know, my company want me to work on Sunday. So why don't you have church on a Monday? And then somebody else, we can't be changing. Because somebody else then says, well, I'm off on Sunday. So this is our culture and this is the way it works. When I say, I didn't mean my culture, it's our culture, the British culture. And the more you go through Europe, you'll find it's the same. So we know God set things in motion and he's not going to change it just for you and I. God started the world the way he wanted it. And he'll finish it the way he wants it. Amen. God started the church the way he wants it. He wanted it. And now he wants it the way he liked it. Okay. You get that? So if God started something... He's still on track. He still wants it. And he's going to pursue that until his his will is ultimately fulfilled. Despite the millions of people moaning and complaining about the management system of this earth. All the geologists are moaning, complaining that there's not enough fuels on the earth. There is. Keep looking. It's like that shirt in the wardrobe. Keep looking. You'll find it. It's there. All the minerals are there. It's like the people who turn around and say, well, the polar ice caps are going to melt and we'll all be flooded. Shut up. Read your book. It'll never flood the earth again. Didn't say your nation might not go for a swim, but he did say the earth won't get flooded. Okay? If you're Europe or if you're Holland and the sea rises by a couple of mil, you're gone. Because it's flat. Netherlands is flatlands. Okay? But if you live in the north, we're higher up, we're okay. It's God's country. In the beginning, God created man, Chester. Remember that? It's there. So what God started, he is committed to finishing. It's irreversible. John started from the days of John till now. There's always a now. When you read that now, now is me. Well, I continue what John started. Will I continue with the same intensity, the same life, the same force, the same energy, the same determination, the same courage, the same faith? Will I continue what John started? This is the challenge. God didn't change his mind when Saul, when I say Saul, I don't mean Saul of Tarsus, I mean King Saul. When God told Israel, you don't want this guy, he's no good for you. And they can say, no, no, we, want, we know better. We want a king, just like everybody else. Why? Because we've seen the magazines, and it's not cool if you don't have a king. So we want Saul. No, he's a bad egg. Don't have him. So anyway, he gives him the king. And it comes a time when the Israelites are going to go out to fight the Philistines. And he says, look, I need to know if God is back in this deal, this, this war. So he says, well, I'll wait for the prophet Samuel to come, and he'll tell us the word of the Lord. So what does does Saul do? He gets impatient and he decides that I'm going to go to battle and I'm going to make an offering. I'm now going to step into the role of a priest and I'm going to make an offering. No, you're a king, you're not a priest. This is not for you. Kings do what kings do. Prophets, Prophets and priests do what prophets and priests do. Amen? So he does it and then Samuel turns up not happy bunny and says what's all this bleating in my ears I can hear and what he does god takes the kingdom of saul that very day because of what he did god was not about to reverse what he said now when he says today the kingdom has been taken away from you today doesn't mean 24 hours unless god gives a time frame so you interpret today 24. Today, there is a day when something is proclaimed, it will happen. But it might take years before you see it. It took 38 years for Saul to get out of that office. 45 years for David to come into office. So from that day, he says, today, 45 years. That's a long time. 45 years. But God was not going to reverse what he said to Samuel and over Saul. Why? Because he's already, is a God that continues. He'd already got a David in mind. So God knows that if you if put all his money on a horse, and if you were smart, and God is smart, he'd never put his money just on you. He's never going to put all his hopes just on you. One horse, right? Because he knows the first hurdle, you're gone. You look at some of those hurdles, the Grand National. Man, I wouldn't want to jump that thing. Never mind them. And you can now you imagine why the jockey is beating the seven sorts out of the horse. Get over, get over, get over this thing. The horse, I mean, how high are those fences? They're bigger than Phil. Look how big Phil is. Phil's seven foot. In the spirit. That's two clerks and one duff. Together, they're still small. The thing is this, is those, those fences are high. And those horses just go over them. Half the time they run through them, don't they? But God is not about to put his money on one horse. Because he knows his people fail him. So God has a plan. He invests in many sons. Because he gives you free will. And he's not about to change his plan because you don't turn up. We say, we're going to meet here on Tuesday. And all of a sudden, people start ringing in. And we say, saying, you, well, let's forget it because a lot of people are sick. Don't we? That's what we do on earth. We are governed by people's availability. God's committed. If God can find one man in a generation, he continues. One man, that's all it takes. He found a John. So all he needed was John. But what we need, we think, well, we need hundreds and thousands. No, we don't. God's just looking for a John. John the pragmatist. John the Baptist. John the dedicate. Dedicatist. It's another word this morning for us. <laughs> he didn't take, though he took the kingdom away, he continued the kingdom. Think of that. Though the kingdom was taken from one person, it was continued in somebody else. That's God. So this day, the kingdom has been taken away from your soul. But guess what? The kingdom, our hopes are not on you. The kingdom, today, God's already transferred it into a young boy. And while you're sorting yourself out and waiting for this boy to rise up and mature, it's okay because the nations won't go to pot because it's all there. And this boy's maturing, ready for the transfer. Right now, right now, God is raising you up because it's the transfer coming off the kingdom onto you. Because some refuse to carry it. So, because some are refusing to carry it, God will transfer it onto you. I always tell you about the story about Reinhard Bonnke. For those who, who have not heard the story, very quickly, Reinhard Bonnke one day is getting very proud and he's saying, "God, I, I thank you that you've been using me and all that stuff." getting really up about himself. And God says, don't you get so proud, son? You were my third choice. Whoa, that's going to sober you up right there. In other words, the other two horses didn't finish the race. You was my third choice, son. Just remember that. God has a, a way of bringing perspective. So, son, no pressure, but don't fail. <laughs> Keep running a race. Yeah? So 1 Samuel chapter 15, 29. He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind. For he's not a man that he should change his mind. How many times he said that now? He's not changing his mind about changing his mind. Saul replied, I have sinned, but please honor me before the elders of my people, Israel. Come back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. Samuel is like Saul. is trying now to do everything he can to keep hold of what he's just lost. God say, no, 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 Saul, it's been spoken. Samuel said it now, it's done. Doesn't matter if you come back and worship me right. Doesn't matter if you come back and repent. I'll forgive you, but you still lost the kingdom. The kingdom today is going to continue in someone else I can trust. And what did the Bible say about David? He's a man like no other. God God chose a good guy. The first one was the people's choice. The second one was God's choice. It's amazing that God will give the people what they want. Because God will use all things to extend His kingdom. Because it's irreversible. Amen. Give you another one: the kingdom. Not only is the kingdom irreversible. If it's if it's not irreversible, that means it's unstoppable. The kingdom is unstoppable. Unstoppable bubble. It's unstoppable. Unstoppable means unable to be prevented. Listen, it's unable to be prevented from developing. It, you can't stop developing it. It's in a constant, perpetual state of it being developed. It's getting sharper, clearer, more forceful. This kingdom's inside you. So God needs to develop what he started in you. That good work that he started. You know, the prophet Malachi, remember, let's come John's born on the back of religion. John is born in the backdrop of religion. And the religious forces are going to be chasing this boy down. As Soon as he starts opening his mouth, religious forces will chase him down. The moment you open your mouth, you'll find out what, what, who's religious around you. And you'd be surprised. It might even come out your best friend. Might even come out your friend. Might even come out your wife. Your husband. Religions everywhere. Hello? That went quiet, didn't it? Okay, I take it we've got someone here then. The prophet Malachi said that before the great coming day of the Lord, Elijah would come. Yes? So if anyone shows up and says, I'm the Lord, without Elijah coming, that person could not be received. And he would be regarded as an imposter. Okay? It was made very clear that Elijah had to come first. Which meant, if there was an Elijah, Elijah would show us who Jesus is. And if Elijah could show us who Jesus was, then we'd know who the Messiah was. Okay? You've got to get this. Elijah, the scripture says, Elijah will come first. Elijah will point to Jesus and Jesus will be the Messiah. So everyone's expecting Elijah to be on the earth. Now, Elijah's been, and he's dead. Well, he's not dead. He's gone. I'll show you that in a minute. Elijah's had his time. It's like bringing Winston Churchill back. And he's saying, the scripture says that the spirit of Winston Churchill must come before Jesus Christ can return. But hang on a minute. We read our history books. Winston's been. He's gone. Yeah? So Elijah must come first. Everybody got that? Are you sure. So John chapter 1, verse 19. Now, this was John's testimony about the Jews of Jerusalem. So when the Jews of Jerusalem and sent priests and the Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confess freely. I'm not the Christ. Then he asked them, Then who are you? Are you an imposter? Are you Elijah? Why? The Jewish mindset Elijah's got to come first. Elijah comes first. He'll show us Christ. Christ will be the Messiah. Everybody get this? Oh, you're a, yeah, you're a smart crowd, you are. Then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you a prophet? He answered, No. We're not doing very well here, John. You're not Elijah. You're not Christ. You're not even a prophet. Son, Stop wasting my time. Get out of here. But God has started something that's unstoppable. See, I remember one day going to, when we just began to pioneer a church, before, the same place where Richard, when we first met Richard and Greta. But in the, in the building that we were using then, I had to go, it was being run by the Evangelical Alliance. And this guy was, what was he called? Val something get his name. And he was, a big shot in, he was a big shot in the city. He's gone back to Jesus now. He's gone where Elijah is. And I had to go for an interview just to hire the building. And he says this to me. He wanted to know my credentials. He says to me, and what Bible college did you go to? Am I in a flipping building here? Does it matter what Bible college you went to? What Bible college have you been to? Oh, what, what college did you go to, he said. So I was smart. I gave him the name of the college when I did my apprenticeship. It was called Hendon Road, which is in Watford. So I said to him, Hendon Road. And you could see his brain going through Hendon Road. I do not only Bible colleges. Hendon Road, Hendon Road, Hendon Road, Hendon Road. And I said to him, and, and I could see where he was going, and he could straight away, he began to see what I'd done had set him up. I thought, you religious devil, you. So we went, what Bible college is there? I said, it's not a Bible college. It was a print college. You asked me what college I went to. Oh, yes, well, I don't really mean. You don't have to be, you go to Bible college to be, to, to be in the ministry, do you? Well, why ask me then, dipstick? If he didn't mean anything, why did you ask me? Why did you feel the need to ask me? Why? Because he was trying to say I wasn't called. That's what he was trying to say. Everything to him had to come through this channel. Jump through the hoops. You know, I am not the typical... You know that, don't you? No. The mouth and roller skates did not go through the right channels. But this is how God calls a man. He calls you on the backdrop that confuses religious people. Now I don't want to write the man off. That was just one encounter he had with him. He says, I'm not Elijah. I'm not Christ. I'm not a prophet. Well, then, son, you're no good to me. Get out of the way. Why should we listen to you? Because something had started in me that you need to listen to. So he says, I'm not the Christ. I'm not the Messiah. But then he begins to publicly acknowledge. He is the lamb that takes away the sins of the world. So I'm not the prophet. I'm not the Christ. Yeah. I'm not Elijah, but I can identify who he is. So what's the job of Elijah to show us who the Christ is? So, John now is showing them, thee is the Messiah. He is the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. Now, they wasn't used to that phraseology. They expected him to say, that, I'm Elijah, and that's the Messiah. He didn't come with that language. So, they're struggling. The religious system's struggling. But it's unstoppable. It's I love it when the kingdom of God smashes the kingdom of religion. I love it. I love it when they can't figure us out. When they can't nail us down with a phrase. They can't nail us down with a a prefix. They can't nail us down with a bit of Greek. Or a bit of Hebrew. Like that ever changed the world. The only Greek I know is a little chippy. a kebab shop should say, not chippy. In Australia, they're all Greeks. They run all the chip shops, don't they? Fish and chip shops. You've got more Greeks in your part of the world than anywhere else in Europe. That is the truth. They don't even know. They don't know. (laughs) They'll probably eat kebabs, yeah. So, John is on the ground. John is smashing this religious system. But a kingdom's irreversible. It's unstoppable. So, he's the lamb that'll take away the sins of the world. This was a role for Elijah. This was Elijah's role to do this. He's the one who's going to come and and say this. So pick it up at verse 22 of of John chapter 1. Finally, they said, well, who are you? Give us an answer so we can take back to those who sent us. We can take it back to the religious headquarters. We can take it back to the religious mountain and they will decide whether you're an imposter. Well, what do you say about yourself? Then John replied in these words, Isaiah, the prophet. Aha. Isaiah, the voice of the one calling in the desert, make straight the way for the Lord. Now, some Pharisees who had been sent questioned him. Why then do you baptize if you're not Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one who you do not know. There's something about the Christianity that the religious system don't know. Our kingdom is a spirit kingdom. It's not a flesh and blood kingdom. It's a spirit. Everything has to be revealed by the spirit. The, the, the kingdom of religion is looking and identifying everything by, based on what it sees and what it can understand. That's why when you go to Bible college, the first thing they give you is theology. Because it's work based on the fact that the more you know, the more, you can, more power you'll have. It's not about knowledge. Though being a Christian, you have to grow in knowledge, wisdom and understanding. It's about the one you know. And what do you know about the one you know? It's no use having facts if you haven't got the person. So when, now when John identifies Jesus as the Lamb of God, the one who takes the sins away from the world, instantly two people left John, followed Jesus. Andrew and John. So now there's a transference. John starts something and instantly John, James and John follow Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the kingdom. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. John's the voice calling in the desert. John is Elijah, but they don't see it. Because here's what religion does, and this is what the church do. At no time did it ever say, John had to be Elijah. He never said that. I'll show you in a minute. Their interpretation of scripture had no Revelation. Why? Because it's a spirit dynamic. It's not a flesh and blood. So let's pick up Mark chapter 9. Let's see. Let's see Elijah. He keeps popping up. After six days, Mark chapter 9, verse 2. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up to a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone. He could bleach them. There was, no, was dazz up there. And there he appeared before them was Elijah. This dude gets everywhere. And Moses, who were talking together. So Elijah's not dead. Elijah's talking. Which is good news. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, is it good for us to be here? We're seeing dead people here. This can't be good. We've seen dead men talking here. Is it good for us to be here? Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Okay. He didn't know what to say. They were frightened. I bet they were. Then a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Stop right there. That's the day when Jesus took the kingdom and began. He was commissioned from that day. That was the day when God validated him from heaven. That was the day when Jesus' ministry started. It validated him as the son. Okay? So the kingdom is transferable. It's transferable. So Jesus, from John, John starts the thing. Jesus was always the main deal. But everything needs someone to proclaim. So every move needs a proclamation. The kingdom needs proclaimers. The kingdom needs carriers. Hello? You see, the move of God that you are going to carry is different from the move of God that others in previous times prophesied. Hello? There were some proclaimers and there are carriers. Now, what we really need to be, as a prophet, priest, and king, we need to be all. Not one or the other. But there was many, many years ago when the prophets just spoke of the coming kingdom. And then there was a time when there was carriers. But in the New Testament, we are now prophet, priest, and kings. With a royal priesthood. Amen? So we can do the whole lot. Through Christ who lives in us. Christ is the hope of glory. Amen? So he says this. As they were coming down the mountain, they gave them orders not to tell anyone who they'd been with or who they'd seen. Verse 10, they kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead really meant. And they asked him, why do the, why teacher of, uh, sorry, why do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Ah. Jesus replied, to be sure he's Irish. He's gone into an Irish dialect straight away. To be sure. <laughs> Elijah does come first and restores all things. Why then is it written that the son of man must suffer much and be rejected? But I tell you, Elijah has come and they have done to him everything they wished, just as is written about him. Now, if Jesus was going to die and be resurrected from the dead, then we need an Elijah, okay, to tell us, John came in the spirit of Elijah. John wasn't Elijah. But John came in the spirit of Elijah, showing us that the kingdom is transferable. It's irreversible, it's unstoppable, it's transferable. Can you see this? So that spirit that came on John is on you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was left. He gave me the same Spirit, not the person. The Spirit that was on John is the same Holy Spirit that Christ has deposited into you. So you have the Spirit of a John. You have a Spirit of Elijah. You have a Spirit of of the Holy Ghost. You have a Spirit of the Christ. Why? Because it's the Spirit expressing, not the individual. You're not John. You're not Elijah. You're not Christ. But you have the Holy Spirit. Amen? So God's chosen in 2015 that you're the generation to accelerate what John started, what Jesus, or sorry, what John proclaimed, what Jesus carried. And we're now what's been transferred into you. 2015, God has still got a representation on the earth. Or has he? Ooh. Matthew 11, verse 11. And I tell you that among those who were born, There has not risen greater than John the Baptist. Yet he who is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forceful men lay hold of it. They said this in verse 14 if you're willing to accept it, he is Elijah who has come. If you're willing, if you're willing. John is the spirit of Elijah who's come. It was prophesied that he'll come. Now, there's a time when Elijah will come back. Scripture clearly tells us that. He'll be one of the witnesses. But the point is, they they were looking for the physical dude. They were looking for Elijah and they couldn't see. It's the same today. People are looking for Jesus Christ. So when you turn up, you can't be Jesus Christ. How can you say you know Jesus Christ? This creator of the earth, universe, how can you tell me that you know God? You talk to a religious man, he gets mad with I remember telling this Catholic once, he was, he was mortified that I told him, I think the Pope is going to hell. No, I didn't have any proof about that. But I said, the thought that if he's not born again, he's going to hell. If he had a gun, he'd have shot me there and then. He went religiously mad. Because to him, the Pope is Jesus Christ on the earth. Thank God, Jesus is not the Pope. No disrespect to the Pope. But Jesus Christ is in every one of us. He's in me, he's in you. So if we're all Popes then, eh? No, exactly. I go to the real source. Amen? The Pope's got the same access into heaven I have. He's got the same Holy Ghost, if he's born again, that is. He's got the same Holy Ghost I've got. He's got the same access as I've got. No one gets any more or any less. Amen? Long live the Pope. In case there's any popolites out there this morning. Okay, so not only is the kingdom irreversible, unstoppable, transferable, it's unshakable. It's unshakable. That which is living in you is unshakable. I didn't say you're not shakable. The kingdom inside you is unshakable. Let's get that clear. You shake, you wobble, you rock and roll, you fall down, you get up, but the kingdom in you is not shakeable. Why? Because it's a spirit dimension. Flesh and blood shakes. We know that. It worries. It gets concerned. But the kingdom is carried inside flesh and blood. So it has to be protected. It's the womb. But the kingdom's unshakable. To be unshakable means, listen, if someone or trust or belief, sorry, unshakable means if someone's trust or belief is unshakable, it's firm and cannot be made weaker or destroyed. That's what unshakable means. It's firm and it cannot be made weaker, cannot be destroyed. In Matthew, 6, sorry, Hebrews 16, sorry, six nineteen, we have this hope, the Bible says, as an anchor for the soul. It's firm and it's secure. Now think of this, if the kingdom is inside you and it's a seed and it's a spirit dimension, forget about how you think, feel every day. Think about what's inside of you, what's actually living inside of you. It's unshakable. Listen to what it's done. The kingdom, we have this hope as an anchor. We all know what an anchor does, do we not? It holds a ship. Stops it from drifting. Stops it from being smacked against the rocks. Amen? Stops it from drifting. We have an anchor for the soul. The soul is where the emotions are. Yes? What is it? It's firm and secure. Tell yourself it's firm and secure. It enters in the sanctuary where Years ago, prophets and priests could never go beyond. It's opened up the door so you have access all areas. You've got the same access as the Pope. In fact, probably you've got more experience than the Pope has in the spirit world. Yeah? It goes behind the curtain. The curtain that no one was ever allowed, where God's presence was, and no one was allowed to see, that, see him. Where Jesus who went before us, because Jesus went behind the curtain and he ripped the veil, right? You can now go there because you're in Christ. And Christ is next to, is in there with his father. So you have access through Christ, not through anyone, not because you're smart, but through Christ. Stay in Christ. It's entered on our behalf. Jesus went for us. Why? Because he says this kingdom is irreversible, unstoppable, unshakable. It's transferable. So I better go on the other side so they can come where I am. We operate from the other side. Amen. We're not trying. Think. This is what religion does. Religion says we're never worthy to get there. Religion says there's always going to be a power on the ground that's going to tell us how unworthy we really are. And we need these men to tell us what God wants to tell us direct so now we have to go through a system my Bible says we can break bread anytime we want but they say no, 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 no how dare you infidels you must come through God's holy church hey sucker I am God's holy church but he doesn't tell you that I read the small print you're fired you're fired doing Alan Sugar on him Out, He says, I went, he became our high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. But I like the message version. I don't normally read the message version, but I just thought on this occasion I might indulge. We who have run for our, our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promise hope with both hands and never let it go. It's an unshakable, unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God where Jesus running on ahead of us has taken up his permanent post as high priest for us in the order of Melchizedek. Hey, it's unshakable. It's unshakable because Christ has got hold of it. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand, all around me is what? Right, so he's not unshakable. So Christ, if you hold on to Christ, he's unshakable, and it's always going to be that way. If I trust the kingdom to flesh and blood, it's shakable. But if I hold on to Christ, it's unshakable. Amen. I tell you, this is powerful. It's got to become unshakable in you. Last scripture. Yet you did not waver, Romans 4.20 says this. I'll give you two scriptures, sorry. Romans 4.20 and 2 Timothy 1.12. Romans 4.20 says this. Yet he did not regarding Abraham, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promises of God, but he was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Are you persuaded that God has the power to do what he said he will do? Come on, church, I answer the question for yourself. If you have the power, if you're fully persuaded that God has the power to do what he said he can do, that makes you unshakable. So whether it's sickness, deliverance, financial crisis, if God has spoken, not because you said I believe it, because I want to believe it and then convince yourself God's spoken. If God has spoken in his word to you and you hold on to it, that makes you unshakable. Because his word in you is the word he's given you to hold on to. But make sure God speaks to you. Unshakable. Some people just pick a verse out of the Bible and say, I like that. But if God didn't speak that to you personally. God spoke it. You've got to get the context. God's got to speak it to you. But once he does, it's unshakable. Unshakable. When I was going through one of the difficult times in my life, sat in Holy Trinity Church, a lady who had never spoke to me in life, never seen him before, she just put her hand on my shoulder. She says, I don't know who you are, don't know what's going on about you, but God's just saying, it's okay, he's going to get you through. You better believe, she didn't know what I was going through. I could have just burst out crying because I was at a point of tension. The right word at the right time. She didn't know me from Adam, but it was a word from the Lord into my spirit at that time. I didn't read that in a text in the Bible, but I knew that's how heaven spoke. Yes. I took it and it became my word. And it's, I'm here today as proof that that lady, she got that word that day, spoke the word, genuine word to me. I think it was your friend actually. Yes. See, kind of friends you have. Yes. <laughs> Last scripture. This is why I'm suffering yet as I am. Yet I'm not ashamed to Timothy 1.12. Because I know who I believed and I'm convinced that he's able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. What you heard from me, keep us a pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Some things you have to keep hold of because they become the pattern. This kingdom, what is it? Irreversible, unstoppable, transferable, unshakable. It's impenetrable. It's non-negotiable. Unbreakable. Keep going. Undeniable. That's a good one. Undeniable. It's brilliant. All these things is what the kingdom is inside of you. Woo! Let's stand to our feet. You don't look like a crowd who's just got some hope. raise our hands this morning. We started in the spirit. We will continue living this week and beyond in the spirit. As Emma postured us in the spirit this morning to worship. We keep, we stay in that position because that's our only position. We worship in spirit and in truth. So Father, this morning, thank you for starting Something that's irreversible. Thank you, oh God. I may not be Elijah. I may not be the Messiah. Well, not maybe. I'm not the Messiah. Thank God I have the Spirit of Christ on me, in me, through me. Thank you, oh God, that I'm irreversible. Thank you, oh God, I am unstoppable. Thank you, O God, that everything from heaven is transferable. Thank you, O God, that it's unpreventable, impenetrable, undeniable, non-negotiable. Father, this is the seed that's inside me. You started a great work. It's a great work, Father. I've not yet fully grasped the brevity and the glory and the beauty of this work. But, O God, you have. And, Father, just like John, who came and said, "Behold." The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Father, thank you for that revelation. That you still are and always will be the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. Thank you, Father, today that I have the seed of Christ in me. is the hope of glory. Thank you, Father. Come on, just begin to thank him that for this irreversible, unstoppable, undeniable, impenetrable, unbreakable, transferable kingdom. Oh mighty God, share a bababa Tara Maria tolo bobo Korianda. Setara mama Maria tolo bobo corianda. Re la bababa kari andolo bobo shirienda. Motoro bobo corianda la ba shiriya daraba kariya daramanda. Raba kiriya darabo shiri andolo bobo kotorianda. Matarababa raba cori andolo bobo shiriende. Soto ro la Thank you, Father. We lift you high, oh God. We lift you high. We lift you high, oh God. Oh, mighty God. Right now, come on, just lift those only hands up. Just begin to finish in the spirit strong. God has not finished healing people, touching people in the minds, in the spirit, in the body. Never think just because a preacher stopped speaking that God has stopped moving. He hasn't. God is always moving. We must give him opportunity. Right now, Father, fill every room. Fill every room of your people this morning, oh God. Every move, every um, room in people's minds, oh God. Flood it with the Holy Ghost. Father, let the water flow into every room, into every chamber, oh God. Father, let minds come into clarity this week. Your thinking's going to come into alignment with, with what God is saying. Right now, that fogginess, that haziness that's been in your thinking. Right now. I see that you're going to come into alignment. There's going to be a revelation this week that's going to set you in place, in motion. God is going to con- God is revealing His word to you, showing you that. Keep believing, keep trusting. Don't doubt. Don't doubt. You're unshakable. You're unshakable. Hold on to me. Hold on to me. You're unshakable, church. Thank God for the dream of the king. He's making known to us the dream of the king. The dream of the king is that he's unshakable. He's irreversible. Unstoppable. Oh, Father, nothing's going to hold back. Nothing's going to hold you back. Nothing's going to hold me back. We're going all the way, Lord. That which you began in me, you will bring it through. Oh, Father. Oh, my God. C'è la mamma coriandà.